Hello and welcome to episode 68 of the British Wrestling Experience on postwrestling.com and I'm your host Martin Bushby and joining me is Benno. Benno, how's it going this week, mate? Good. Uh, I had a COVID test last week, passed with fine colours. I don't know if passed is the good word, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Came up negative anyway. I had a cold, that's all it was. It was a bit of man flu. Uh, so feeling better after that. Yeah, I had a, had a good long bank holiday weekend as well and looking forward to AEW this weekend. Um, but yeah, pretty much the usual to be honest. Oh yeah, I know. I think anytime you get like a sore throat or a bit of a snivel, now you're like, oh my god, have I got coronavirus? So yeah, I suppose it's, oh, uh, it's going to be a long winter. Yeah, <laughs> I think every, everyone's going to get the winter colds, and they're all going to be convinced. I'll be the same. I get like twenty colds a year. Like I've had. That's the big thing, though. I've had none in these last six months, and I think it's purely because of you know the fact that we're all distancing and you're not seeing so many people. So as uh, yeah, we all get braver. I think yeah, the run up to the Christmas season, I'll uh, I'll be one of those panickers uh, in the par park putting that uh, that test up my nose again. It's not fun, but it's worthwhile. We're doing. If you're unsure, get a test, everyone. Yeah, that's uh, that's the way to go. And um, also joining us this week from WrestleWipe.com is Shane. Shane, thanks for joining us. No worries, guys. No worries. Um, I'm just very thrilled to be on uh, the British Wrestling Experience, and uh, it's. Again, it, it's wild to be a uh, part of uh, the, the post wrestling network. Like, oh man, it's it, it's a big big thrill. Okay, it, it's a it, it's it's a big thing. Oh no worries, no thank you. Appreciate you taking the time out because um, I was going to talk to you two uh, before because obviously summer's nearly over. It's been it's been a bit of a weird one this year, hasn't it? I mean, uh, Shane, how have you been uh, coping with the uh, coronavirus, COVID, and lockdown and everything over the summer? Had a bit of a scare before the summer really kicked in. Um, but after that, it's been pretty much okay. I'm working from home. Um, so my main goal has been to kind of like shift all of the COVID pandemic weight that I've put on since working from home, which <laughs> means, yeah, which basically means now uh, hitting the old running and running in the park and trying to dodge all the public who are coming onto the same path as me uh, so that they don't get all my, you know, all my sweat. And, you know, and I thought a Birmingham uh, COVID pandemic starts on there. But, oh, uh, yeah, it's, it's been fine. It's been fine. I'm enjoying working from home. It's so much better. And I'm trying to bat away all the advances to go back to the office right now. Yeah, I don't think you're on your own there. Um, but I, I think certainly we're all feeling that um, um, lockdown sort of like takeaway um, weight gain, aren't we, Benno? Oh, definitely. It's annoying, though. You do speak to some people who are like, oh, yeah, I'm in the best shape of my life. I use lockdown to improve myself. And here's me. I probably put about a stone on between March and June. I think I've slowly got rid of that stone, but I've still got a way to go. Um, But yeah, there was nothing else to do, was there? It was just eating food, getting a takeaway on a Friday or a Saturday night was kind of the highlight of my week for a while. Um, And yeah, the idea of going out and getting exercise and seeing people was the scariest thing in the world. But yeah, I'm the same as you, Shane. I've been trying going out doing the uh, the couch to 5k um i've moved from the couch portion into the 5k portion now so i feel a bit more uh brave to put my times on strava and uh try and keep up my mates uh, the likes of grapple gareth who i always see marathon around the liverpool area making area making me look really bad um but yeah it's uh it's good to have a, a new hobby and yeah i think we could all all do with it headed into the uh, the winter season yeah the, the c25 k does actually really work i did it a couple mm. of years back and I it's got, mental, isn't it? It's, 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 it's like insane. How you start and you hate it, and then a few weeks later, you, and, and you're really into it again. I, I think I got yeah. to uh, going. I got into C2 10K. I was doing 10Ks every day, and I just like let it go and got fat again. 
So now I'm, <laughs> now I'm back on the app. I'm, I'm on week five now, which is the eight-minute run thing. So hopefully I can get back to that point. But yeah, it, it, it really, really works. Magic, oh, but it's really. just hard. It's just tough. <laughs> yeah, I have to try the 10K one because I think what, what I like about it is that it's like, it'll no matter what you do, you're basically going to be out for half an hour on the 5K one. So even if you're only running for five minutes and you're going to be walking for the rest, it's half an hour. Once you build up your, your, your resilience and you can get close to doing a 5K, it's still half an hour of your time and you don't feel as bad because you've got like the voice in your ear telling you, you know, you can take a break now, it's okay. Whereas oh, I think if, yeah. if I went out on my own and did it, I'd run for about 10 minutes, get tired, get really frustrated, and just give up. So yeah, I'll give the 10K one a try. Yeah, I'll leave you guys to that. I, uh, my, <laughs> my only You're running only enough, Martin. Yeah, my only <laughs> running experience uh, was about 10 years ago. I did the uh, Sheffield Off Marathon because I was smoking about 30 cigarettes a day at the time. No longer doing <laughs> that. Um, and one of my mates was like, I was like, oh, well, I've already had the frame for running. I bet I could do that. He was like, oh, I bet you couldn't. I just entered it and then just did it. And I was like, well, I've done that now, so I won't bother doing any more of this uh, exercise or marathon or running stuff so yeah just uh did it on a bet but yeah i'll, I'll leave you guys to your uh five or ten k's and stuff but um <laughs> i mean just before we get into this week's show uh just a bit of housekeeping a uh, few changes happening here on bwe with the schedule and uh we're going to be introducing a new show um so obviously since we joined post um our shows have, have dropped bi-weekly but this will be the last show of that uh rotation um as this show, the British Wrestling Experience, is is going monthly from now on, um, our new episodes will now drop on the second Thursday of every month. Um, me and myself and Ben are running down the latest from European Wrestling. Then um, got a new show debuting on the BWE feed, dropping on the fourth Thursday of every month. It'll be um, Bushby and Thompson's Wrestling Adventure with with myself and Andrew Thompson. We'll have a different guest on each month talking wrestling show from past or present. Uh, so really excited to be debuting the new show with Andrew and we've uh, assembled a really different and diverse array of guests, I'd say. So we're looking forward to that one. Uh, of course, Benno will be appearing on, on the new show as well um, from time to time, I imagine. So uh, BWE every second Thursday of the month from now on and then the new show, Wrestling Adventure, that'll be the last Thursday of the month. So uh I know it's it's been a good run doing this uh, fortnightly shows, but uh, monthly we we go from now on. Yeah, and that's it. I think we can. It kind of what last week show. I think last the last episode we did was a bit of a template. I think mm-hmm. and that's the way we thought of it, wasn't it? Where it was like it's a recap of kind of. But what WH does with uh, with post uh, Puro uh, in that it's you know a recap of uh, the last month uh, in Japan in that case, and it'd be the last month in Brit Res in Europe in our case. Obviously, you know shows have very much slowed down uh, the last little while, and who knows what uh, what twenty twenty one will bring as well. But yeah, hopefully we can give a a good overview still for people of. Uh, of what's going on in Britain and Europe, and, and if anything, yeah, I'm as a fan looking forward to your show with Andrew. He was brilliant when he came on with us um, to do our retro WWF review, yeah, even though he wasn't born. Um, it was still good, <laughs> and I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to that dynamic of you taking him through like 80s and early 90s show that, that shows that make us all feel really old because they all existed before Andrew was even a thing. Um, and I also can't wait for people to see that logo as well. I've had a, a sneak preview of it, and I'm not going to give anything away, but yeah, that's a uh, that's a cracker as well so i think people are in for a treat with that as a as another great show on the post feed yeah really looking forward to launching that one but um i mean just before we get into um our main review of the day just um a few news items um because 
Obviously, everyone's been waiting with bated breath and wondering all summer and biting their nails, but uh, the announcement was made that NXT UK is going to be back on September the 17th. Um, from the reports, it seems uh, the roster's been assembling in London to have tests and whatnot, and Triple H unveiled a, a look at the new set, which is going to be taped at the BT Sports Studios in London, and uh, they released a couple of right videos uh, I suppose the talking point from the first video that it, it didn't feature any uh, British strong style. Pete Dunne, Trent Seven, or Tyler Blake were nowhere to be seen on the first hype video. Now, of course, we know following speaking out, there'll be no Travis Banks or Joe Coffey on these shows. But, um, but Benno, do you think there's anything to make of the uh, British strong style guys not being in the in the initial videos? Yeah, I think to be honest, I think they're being quite sneaky about it. To be honest, I, I don't I don't think it means they won't be on the show. I think they're just being smart about who they push to the forefront and who they don't. Like, if you look at the graphics they had as, as like, the the background of their their Twitter um, during speaking out, it was, like, they just dropped anybody there was any snip of a story about um, and tried to just keep it to the people that, you know, weren't going to cause any controversy. And I think they're doing the same with the advertising here. Like, I know there was um, a lot of journalists at uh, the BT Studios today uh, touring it, and uh, I think they're going to get the chance to ask some questions, and I would hope that that, that someone there is going to put them on the spot um, about, you know, some of the cases that went quiet. You know, like you said, they they, they were very, you know, quick uh, in getting rid of Travis Banks and, and El Aguero, Um and then there were other cases or even just other allegations that don't really feel like they've been addressed at all. Um, so yeah, I would I would personally like to know the the distinction there between wh- who are the people who aren't featured in these ads because it's a case of you know there were stories about them during speaking out. Who are the cases where like maybe like British Strong Style where it's a case where they're getting taken uh, abroad uh, and other where you know some very not the most serious allegations about Tyler and Trent, um, but the where you know their names did come up a couple of times during the speaking out. Um, issue uh and during that whole movement on twitter so it could be that too um and it could be innocuous we just don't know uh is the thing and i think yeah i think they're going to be be trying to be quite clever with you know who they who they advertise and who they don't and yeah that bit of a that bit of clarity i think would uh would really help um rather than leaving uh, the speculation out there as to exactly who makes up this uh revamped nxt uk going forward yeah, because Triple H did that uh, video conference call, didn't he, talking NXT UK mm-hmm. and the Speaking Out movement. Uh, to the Metro newspaper, he said, uh, part of this is why we started NXT UK in the first place, to professionalise and put that system in place where everyone can feel safe and protected and have a working environment that is inclusive of everyone and the opportunity to do what we do. We take allegations very seriously, and you can refer back to that policy. He also... He also noted that it uh, included immediate suspension on arrest and termination on conviction. But I think typical corporate answer for me that, I mean, you've only got to look at, um, you know, the past uh, week's storylines with Matt Riddle to show that they're not taking that one very seriously, are they? And, and the disgusting things that's been going on on main WWE TV. But um just seemed like a typical corporate answer from Triple H here, I thought, Shane. Yeah, I can't say I'm too thrilled about this uh, watered-down wasteland coming back. That is NXT UK. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it was a pretty much generic boilerplate statement from Trips uh, during that Metro. I think that's the second time he's been caught out now with that that question about uh, what they're doing. Yeah, so I I think he should have been a lot more careful with um, with that going forward. I don't think they maybe realise how big 
of a story uh, speaking out actually is, especially in the big red scene. And mm. I think you know, they may be just caught onto that now with the video being released with, you know, no big strong style uh, involved, which is, a, which is a big, big admission to have. Um, but yeah, we'll see what talent pops up on the tapings in their uh, fancy new studio. Uh, but I bet that uh, studio has still has more life than the regular NXT UK crowds do. But yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, they released the second video, didn't they? It seemed to be more mm. focused on tag teams. You had Flash Morgan, Webster, and Mark Andrews, the the Hunt team of Wildboar, Mike Hitchman, and Primate, uh, Pretty Deadly, Imperium, Oliver Carter, and Ashton Smith. RJ Singh and Kenny Williams. I mean, there was um, a brief glimpse of NXT UK tag champs Wolfgang and Mark Coffey at the end of the video, so I'm guessing there's going to be some kind of tournament on the way, Benno. Oh, right, okay, because, yeah, Wolfgang was, you know, a, a name that came out, wasn't there? Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't realise he was there. Uh, I'm guessing, yeah, that's the direction that they're going to go. Um, but, yeah, I think, as Shane just said there, I think, I honestly think they're underestimating the story from our point of view because like if you look at and i heard will cooling talk about this on his pw torch podcast uh, it doesn't feel like the, speaking out is a story that got a lot of traction uh in the us or at least not the type of traction it got over here um you don't see the i don't know the the, the strength of feeling um from our us counterparts and our canadian counterparts that, that you maybe get from us who are embedded in the scene over here and you know i'm doing interviews where he's kind of just you know saying we take every allegation seriously and trying to say you know we look into everything and trying to say in a way we look into it and we you know we, we'll determine what's true and what's not you know even that as a line is, is something you had to share just said there's something you want to be better prepared for because you know there's a lot of uh, a lot you could take from a from a statement like that there's a lot unsaid in that statement um so yeah i'm i've got to be honest i'm the same machine i'm not particularly excited about this return i feel like they're doing it at a time when a lot of different things haven't been addressed and it just yeah, not that we'd be particularly excited about an NXT UK reset return anyway but I feel especially you know down on this one um and yeah as Shane said you know that the new doing it at the BT uh sport venue will probably be better it's going to look better I think I think it's going to be produced better than maybe some of the the even with the halls with fans in have been relatively dead um, so there is that, and yeah, if they're doing some kind of tag tournaments, I'm sure they'll be trying to uh, put some new teams together and maybe create some interest that way. But yeah, to be honest, uh, at least in our little bubble, you bring up the words NXT UK, and people aren't excited for them to resume doing shows. That they're, they're wanting to know, you know, there were a lot of NXT UK wrestlers at the at the center of the speaking out uh, movements, and yeah, they want some answers on. You know, and some more talk rather than a lot of the silence and a lot of the uh, the PR answers that, that have happened so far from uh, WWE and Triple H particularly. Yeah, because there did seem to be a lot of focus on uh, Walter and uh, certainly Kaylee Ray and, and the likes of that on the videos and on the NXT UK Twitter feed. So it will be interesting to see where, where they go, sort of like storyline wise and what matches they put out there. But um, moving away from NXT UK and. Um, on to Red Pro now. I mean, obviously, we talked on the last show about the announcement of their comeback show, Epic Encounter 1, which aired on Fight TV on the 23rd of August. Uh, not live, pre-taped um, a few weeks ago, apparently. Um, what we heard, the wrestlers were all in a bubble recording a bunch of tapings at the Portsmouth School of Wrestling. And I mean, obviously, the show fairly and naturally received a lot of criticism for featuring the Red Pro champion Will Ospreay in a tag match with Mike Loku against Kyle Fletcher and Ricky Knight Jr. I mean, 
the allegations against Osprey are well documented, uh, and a lot of people boycotted the show and felt that Red Pro hadn't really done enough in terms of addressing what the safeguarding policies were, or also using Osprey so soon after with seemingly no form of punishment for him. And I know it's a very emotionally charged subject, and I was in two minds about whether we should review the show on here or not. I mean, I said on the last show, Red Pro, for me personally, haven't done enough to show that they are making changes or showing that they've put together any sort of code of conduct or anything like that. But, uh, I mean, sure, Andy Q talked about it on the PW Torchcast, but there, sh- there should have been statements on the website and on social media, I think. Um, and also using Osprey so soon is, uh, is quite a big mistake for me. I've, I've no idea what punishment you would give to him, but it has to be something. I mean, sure, the allegations against him weren't as bad as some of the others we've heard, but they had to do something other than just, here's our first show back and Osprey in the co-main event, Benno. Yeah, it's yeah. The Osprey one's tough because you know I, I'm with you in that I wouldn't have used Osprey this soon. Um, I wouldn't say never with Osprey. That's just my personal take on it. I think obviously there's strength of feeling on the other side of the issue. I've heard Andy Quilden out, and I think his point of view is that while you know a lot of people will say Will Osprey blackballed Pollyanna, and it's as black and white for that for for some people, and that's fine. For him, it was a bit greater than that. Yeah, you can you can say that Pollyanna got the IWL booking taken off her. You can say that IWL were told that Will Ospreay was, you know, in a way behind that. But past that, do we, you know, for a company to take definitive action and think of it like I've thought about like the, the you know a private company you'd work for in your normal life. Is there enough there for them to make a black and white decision that Will Ospreay needs to be punished? Uh, is there enough new information, in fact, for Will Ospreay to be punished? You know, bearing in mind this is a this is an allegation that's been around um, for a couple of years, and Andy Quilden's decision on that, and he, he made that clear, was that he didn't think there was, and he you know he, he kind of categorised some of it as you know people within wrestling not getting along, and you know it's the type of thing, unfortunately, that happens behind the scenes in wrestling a lot. That might not be. The decision that we would make, um, and it might not be, you know, the opinion that we would have. But I can't say, looking at the evidence, that's an entirely unreasonable way to go. Um, it doesn't satisfy me entirely, but I don't think it's a completely unreasonable thing to do. Um, again, I hope for more, but the fact that we haven't got it, um, you know, was probably having heard Andy Quilden out and having heard him on Will on on that podcast with PW Torch. Um, this was probably, you know, this wasn't news. Um, probably should have actually expected um, Osprey to be on these shows. Uh, I still wouldn't have, you know, from a public relations point of view, which, you know, is not Rev Pro's strong point. Uh, I think it's a mistake. I think, you know, they've lost a lot of goodwill with a lot of people on Twitter, as we talked about last week, and a lot of people, um, you know, I shouldn't say just say on Twitter, but, you know, people within, you know, the harder corporate res fans um, who feel very strongly about speaking out. I think you're losing a lot of those people. And I think, like you said, Martin, you know, not doing the bare minimum of, you know, it, it, it sounds like there are safeguarding policies behind the scenes. It sounds like there is a good, you know, COVID testing procedure behind the scenes. But yeah, not doing the the PR side of it and putting those things out publicly just does invite that criticism. And it's going to invite people to boycott your show. And it's going to invite people to maybe not want to hear a review like ours that we're about to go into now. Um, and I can't say I blame those people either. Yeah, because like I just noted there, it is a really emotionally charged issue. And, um, I mean, Shane, happy for you to disagree with me and Benno. I mean, what were your thoughts of, um, 
you know, when they announced the show and, and you know, using Osprey uh, on the first show back? Uh, it's been a case of a one step forwards and two steps back for uh, Andy mm-hmm. and Pro. Mm-hmm. You know, he does the big interview about speaking out and he really put himself out there where no one else in the scene really was in terms of promoters. Uh, but then it's been hidden, hidden behind a paywall and it's four hours long and I totally understand the paywall because journalists have got to get paid for their work. Uh, but not even having a free edited or digest version out there for such a massive story, it really didn't paint Andy uh, in, in a good light. Because how many people really went out there and listened to the, listened to the whole mm. four-hour interview? Um, then you have uh, you know, Rep, Rep Pro returning with Epic, account, Epic Encounter. And it's a private event. Great. They have precautions of COVID with the talent being at a hotel, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, okay, sure. And they're pushing women heavily in the main event spot. But there not being any announcement or any statement about Osprey's involvement is a big drawback, uh, at least for me, because uh, you know all we're asking for is transparency. And him being on the show in the first place in the wake of speaking out, and with Osprey seemingly being quite stubborn with the accusations that he's been, uh, have been thrown his way, uh, it's such a backwards move. Um, I mean, what stopped Andy from just like grabbing a camera, sitting down, and explaining his decision? decision sorry, uh, his choice to have to use uh, Osprey on the show. Uh, it wouldn't change what Osprey did, but it would give us some context and background of why he's including Osprey. Uh, you know, the days of pro wrestling being this sneaky place for the boys to, uh, you know, be, be, be boys and you know all, all the dark dealings. You know, they have to be extinguished if we're going to go forward. And Web Pro really had the chance with Epic Encounter to lead the charge there, uh, but they just brought it back to normal. So it's a bit disappointing, really, uh, the way that they they handled it all. Um, I think you're right there. I think that, like, you know, some kind of maybe even at the start of the show, if they laid out some maybe some groundwork, maybe it didn't have to be a thing on the website and that uh, Benno. But at least, like, mm. I mean, did you think they should have had maybe some, you know, Andy Q just sitting down and having a frank sort of like quick discussion at the start of this show maybe not on the show but i think it should have happened i think you know as shane alluded to there obviously there was the the patreon q a that that kind of blew up and that was behind you know the paywall he then got into an argument with james he didn't he on twitter and dq and he did pour a free video out on twitter explaining his point of view more about the Jamesy argument than, than you know, what they were planning. And more about, you know, the criticism to him doing it behind the Patreon and offering himself out. He then did do the Will podcast, which, you know, there was a, a free version, but I think with ads that came into about five hours. So I don't think that helped either. Um, I, to be honest, I think Andy Quilden, as we said last week, has just got to the point where he's probably stubbornly thinking, I'm not going to win these people over. So I'm just going to get on with it and sod them. And there'll be a group of people who support me no matter what and I don't care anymore uh, not the decision I would make because um, yeah I think like a, a little mini 10 minute video 15 minute video going through the I mean firstly the COVID precautions I know speaking out's a massive story but you know we have been in a pandemic for the last six months so I feel like addressing that stuff head on would have been a good idea uh, and yeah you could couple it with that too and you could make his position which he did make clear on the Will Coolen podcast um, on some of the individual cases like your David Stars and your Andy Boy Simmons and, and then your Ospreys of the world, making that position a little bit more clear. Uh, yeah, I think that would have been a would have been a wise move. Um, but unfortunately, I think I suspect why he didn't do it. So, yeah, like I said there, it's, um, it has been difficult deciding whether to review the show or not. And I'm sure some people won't want to hear it and that's completely fine. But we decided to review it as a 
It's a notable show, but obviously we completely understand if, if people don't want to hear this review, because um, obviously filmed at the Portsmouth School of Wrestling all in a bubble. Um, I mean, you can see the medics at ringside during the show, um, not live filmed, I think weeks before. I mean, I mean, we've given Reb Pro some pelters for the production before, I mean, before we get into the show itself, and... Mm, Camera work was better. There were no smudges on the lenses. Um, sound <laughs> mixing. Oh my god! Is uh, they've always had a bad issue. I mean, they finally saw, kind of sorted the commentary out, so Andy wasn't screaming through your TV. But then there were all sorts of like other sound issues throughout the show. But I think there were some improvements. I thought here, but still, for an edited show that came out a few weeks after it had been filmed, I, I don't think it was it was the best in terms of production here, Benno. Depends on what, on what you're classifying best as, because generally, no. But the best Rev Pro I've ever done, maybe. And I think that might be an indictment in itself. Because um, I did think it, it looked as good as Rev Pro's look, but I don't disagree with anything you just said either. Uh, I watched it live, and it did seem to be a bit of a delay on the audio to the video, at least for me. Um, I don't know if other people listening had that, that same issue. Um, but yeah, I mean... They made the Portsmouth School of Wrestling look all right. You know, it was was basically a load of blankets, wasn't it? But it it, it was shot well enough. You know, it was dark, which I heard as a criticism from some people. But I kind of thought it it fit the, you know, pseudo raw underground kind of feel, you know, underground fight club type of feel that they were going for. Uh, Like you said, yeah, the camera work wasn't perfect, but it was probably the most watchable camera work I think RevPro have had in a while. And yeah, the sound wasn't great, but I do think... You know, the commentary wasn't as awful loud as it can be in the past. It was a little bit better leveled. Um, but I do think they did some good they did, and they did some good trick here, I think, with the audio because, you know, there were no there was no crowd there, but at no point did I think it ever felt dead in there. I think having the corner men out there helped with them shouting. You had the commentators shouting, the wrestlers were making lots of noise, and the ring was making a lot of noise as well, which I thought was notable. And I think it made it quite a nice little package really um as far as presentation goes again you've got a low bar to clear with uh with rev pro but to be honest I, I was relatively impressed um going in so yeah but obviously you know i know you uh you might have got a uh, stronger thoughts on it uh, on camera workers and i know a bit more about that thought than i do um but yeah i think i was relatively impressed by it what about you shane have you have you been a fan of these uh no fan shows in general and what were your thoughts on the uh, the way rev pro presented this show this was the first no fan show that I've watched in a long time. It's really not my cup of tea. I've been avoiding a lot of pro wrestling since uh, lockdown hit. Uh, I avoided it a bit more once speaking out uh, hit as well. Um, mm. But for a, a, a first look back at uh, you know wrestling without fans, it was okay. Uh, I must say I agree with Ben over uh, Rev Pro. I've never looked this slick before, mm. even when they even when they had a massive crowds in york hall i i much prefer this version of rev pro um yeah they had the production down uh issues with the camera still like they're, they're not doing the the zoom in that i really really hate with rev pro shows where they do, oh, someone yeah. do a move and then there's the, the obnoxious zoom in that, mm. that really annoying um but that's gone um i mean from the start of the show you got the breakdown of the entire card that was superb and you had that fabled mythical sports-like presentation there. Uh, I've been saying for ages that more indies should have these builder packages and pre-match and pre-show interviews and segments because uh, your indies need this. 
Uh, I hope that RevPro doesn't drop these when they go back to doing live shows with fans. I mean, how many fans at, uh, you know, at your core shows don't really react to some of the matches yeah. because they don't know the story? And you hear people say, oh, well, this match here, you know, there's been a story building on the smaller shows. And they get into the ring of the York Hall show and there's no reaction because no one knows, no one knows what's going on. And it's not just Red Pro, it's, it's the Indies in general where you don't have that backstory. Uh, ZZW <laughs> used to do this all the time back in the, in the noughties where on their DVDs, you have a 20 minute uh, big bulk of interviews to hype up the show. So by the time the show started, like, you couldn't wait to see Derek Bloody Fraser and Niles Young. Like, <laughs> it, it, it really, really works. So I, I do hope that they keep, uh, you know, the builder packages and, you know, maybe not Andy and uh, Andy himself, but, you know, two people at ringside going through the first half hour of the show as people are coming in and what's going on. I think that would really help the atmosphere at those big York Hall shows again. Yeah, I think um, it I, would, because I think they've always had that issue, haven't they, with the cockpit shows not really linking up with the... It seems like Red Pro was in all these different sort of, like, zones where they had the cockpit version, then you had this new touring version, now they've taken over South Sides Towns, then they had the big York Hall shows, and they never seem to mesh that well together, and I think they've always needed something like this. I mean, slightly too long for my taste, but I, I do agree with you that I think they, you know, this was good, especially when if you're trying to bring international fans in with uh, laying out who the wrestlers are, why they're fighting. And, um, yeah, I think Red Pro have always kind of needed something like this, haven't they, Benno? Oh, definitely, yeah. I think, uh, like Shane just said, I think the Indies in general could do with that. Um, to be honest, I would have been excited about those CCW shows even without the video, but, yeah, it definitely <laughs> helped. <laughs> but, yeah, I think... Like you said, Marty, it went too long. Like it was, and it was, it was so UFC, wasn't it? Down to the music choice. Like you could see, you know, the cage side, you know, Quilden trying to play Joe Rogan, and he tried to do that throughout the show, didn't he? With the uh, the ring interviews as well. <laughs> uh, you were trying very hard to to ape, you know, what works in UFC. I suppose if it works, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but yeah, I think it was just, you know, I think it clocked in at just over 15 minutes of of preamble, and uh, before we even got to, you know, a couple of wrestlers in the ring. So I think that was the negative of it, but uh, it, yeah, definitely an overall positive to the show. And I think they could have really take, spliced out this 15 minutes and put it somewhere free, you know, put it somewhere to, to hype up the show before it went live on site, uh, rather than maybe those of us who bought it already sitting through 15 minutes of hard hype um, and then going into, you know, an, an intro interview package with uh, with Robbie X and Connor Mills. And yeah, like, like Shane said, and like you said, Martin, I think, those little packages are good in getting over the importance of the match, getting over the importance of the characters. As we go through the show, I'm not actually sure if any of them were actually any good, but <laughs> I think they're a good idea. And I think with some tweaking, uh, and maybe yeah, some some towards the main event weren't too bad, but with some tweaking, I think it's a, it's a good idea and definitely the type of thing we should have more of an indie wrestling because yeah how many indie shows you go to where it's just match 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 and then you go home um it is nice to have that this little bit of a extra character development both before and after the matches what did i mean andy q's had a variety of broadcast partners over the years and he and uh, rob lias stepped up to the plate for this one and uh what do we all think of rob lias I, I didn't think he did too bad for his uh i think this is is he maybe done cockpit shows before but i think this is his first sort of like major go around here shane I, I, I think he was okay. He, he was on commentary. I was never annoyed by him, and that's all I ask for at my uh, commentary these days. Uh, <laughs> I think the, the bar is set so low. Um, but yeah, I think he was fine, passable. At no point was I screaming at the TV for him to shut up. So that's a pass from me. 
<laughs> yeah, I think that's all you test. can ask for, isn't it, Benno? That they don't <laughs> annoy you. I think that's the main point there. Yeah, and most Brit Res promotions or indie promotions in general don't pass that. Like I'm a, I'm the biggest GCW fan in the world, but my God, their commentary. My God, anyone's commentary, really. I don't think anyone <laughs> in the indies has got good commentary. Um, yeah, I, I watched the show twice because we uh, talked about it a little bit when we did um, the, the whole weekend. I did SummerSlam weekend on, on Grapple, um, and I watched it live, and then I did rewatch the show today just to get uh, another feel for it and see how it felt on a second watch. And to be honest, on a second watch, I found the commentary much worse. I think I just let it go first time round because I was enjoying the the novelty um, of the show. Uh, you know, Andy Quilden isn't a good commentator, but... I think the position is probably well, you know, he's the owner of the promotion, he knows all the stories, so he probably doesn't trust anybody else to do the job. And it's not like we've got a, a big list of, uh, of possible people who could replace him, um, at least at the moment. So I kind of get him being on commentary, and Rob Lias was out of his depth, but of course he was. Um, you know, he's not an experienced commentator, so you've got to cut him a little bit of slack. Um, but I would say, you know, while his absence is 100% justified, I did think, yeah, and Andy Simmons' absence was felt on this show because I did think at times Rob Lias was trying to do a bit of a, a budget Andy boy um, and it didn't always land and I think Andy had to save him a couple of times uh, but you know it's not like there's no hope there I think you know the, he, he like, like Shane said you know he wasn't particularly offensive in any way he just was kind of there so you know I suppose the uh, the only way is up from there and maybe with, with some more experience uh, especially as a geo um, you might get some more out of him so first matchup, we had Connor Mills against Robbie X, uh, two promos from the lads where they both seemingly put each other over. Uh, Mad Kurt was uh, shadowing Connor Mills to the ring. Uh, Steph Chase was at ringside giving some background to the wrestlers. I thought that was a, a nice addition, but um, sadly they suffered with some sound issues and uh, was it the Aaliyah James uh, match, I think, she came out to do that again and then um, there were some sound issues there. Um, well, Robbie X, someone, I mean, started really young at the uh, 1PW wrestling school, which, yes, that was a thing. Um, I think he must have started there when he was, like, 16, 17. So I've seen quite a lot of him. Um, seen him uh, definitely on a lot of Sheffield shows and in Doncaster and places like that, Nottingham. Um, but um, I think I think it was a, a decent match. Mills uh, kept him grounded early on, wrist locks. They traded holes, um, some solid chain wrestling. Then Robbie X uh, was flying all over the ring. Co- looked spectacular. Some of the uh, some of the flying moves he does. Um, not Mills trying to keep him grounded for the majority of the match. Uh, last few minutes they traded big moves, including a great looking uh, backflip kick by Robbie X, and then he is uh, finisher the exclamation for the pin. I thought. Enjoyable opener. Both guys look pretty good. I mean, we've talked about. I've, I mean, me and Benno have talked on the show before about how great Robbie is. But um, I've just wondered what you guys' uh, thoughts are on Connor Mills. I think he's he's been a bit up and down for me. So um, I mean, have you had a chance to see many Connor Mills matches, uh, Shane? This is my first experience of uh, Connor Mills. Um, so he was he was impressive though uh, in this match. Um, I'm more familiar with Robbie X. Uh, he did a lot of shows at Kamikaze Pro, which is my local promotion. So I drive 10 minutes down the road and see Robbie X uh, you know, twice a month, basically. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought you know, for a first impression, Connor Mills uh, was really good. I uh, kept up with Robbie. And it, was a, it was a pretty, pretty good opener. That's probably my favorite match of the entire show, to be honest. Um, you know, the, wow. novelty was, the, yeah, the, the, the novelty was still there. Uh, and and for, for me... I think the trick to these no fan shows is to not 
do anything too fancy or hair droppy or dangerous because the lack of reaction really kills it for me. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the fast-paced uh, grappling and striking and quick impact moves and you know some of the suplexes and this, you know, they, they work best for me in, in this environment. Um, so yeah, even though there's still more of a reaction to these matches than the you know, Rev Pro show I went to the Aston Union once, that was bad, um, that there's a, a lot going on uh, with little downtime. Um, so I'll probably get to the other, mat- other matches and my, my thoughts on those. Um, but for me, this is everything I needed for a, uh, a, a no fan show. Yeah, I think it was um, your typical sort of like uh, indie opener, wasn't it, Benno? You know, um, quick, fast and uh, to the point. Yeah, it was your, I think it was the perfect choice for match one. Um, I don't know. You know, it, it feels a bit like, you know, these shows aren't live, so it does seem like they've probably got a few in the can. Um, I don't know whether this was the first match they taped, but uh, whoever made the decision to throw it on first, I think it was a good decision. Because um, you've got, like you said, over-reliable Robbie X. Uh, he's kind of like uh, Martin Kirby, isn't he? That he's, he's unlikely to ever get his own super push, probably. But what a great wrestler to have on your roster. You know, he can he can be anywhere on your roster. He can be in any match and he's going to deliver for you. And in this match, he was kind of there to, to in a lot of ways, you know, what we did win, we'll get Connor over and establish uh, Connor that little bit more. Who, you know, I think is okay. Um, he's been, a, it just feels like he's been around a little while now, Connor. And I, I'd say his progression has been slow, but I can't say there hasn't been any at all. Um, we are going to need guys like him, you know, as, as we go forward. And yeah, hopefully, as you know, if he gets more experience, you know, in a Rev Pro of progress, pick him up a bit more again. You know, maybe we'll get to see, you know, exactly who he is, what type of, of wrestler he's uh, he's going to grow into um, at some point. But you know, I thought he was perfectly fine in the match. I thought he told a really good story with Robbie X kind of trying to stretch him and trying to, you know, be the veteran in the match and and counter um, Mills like. That was kind of what played into the finish, wasn't it? With, you know, Mills being the, the cocky youngster going for, you know, one too many moves on the top rope. Uh, um, an age-old story, but, you know, it worked uh, for what they were doing. And, yeah, like you both said, the, the match as a whole was was all action, told a nice little serviceable story. And, yeah, you know, I wasn't a, a huge fan of the interviews that came before or after the match, which is those we get into. But all in all, I think they they, they did a, a good job of uh, on this quote-unquote TV show establishing who both were um, and giving us a, a great, uh, great match to start up with and, uh, and whet our appetite for the rest of the show. And what followed it was a little cheeky ad for Red Pro On Demand with uh, Keith Lee, which I don't think has ever seen the light of day before. I've certainly never seen this on uh, Red Pro before. So uh, funny that it suddenly turns up as the uh, its uh, main roster WWE. Uh, yeah, that's quite funny <laughs> that. And. Uh, Moving on to the next match, we had uh, Kenneth Harpenny against Brandon White. This is obviously the Red Pro Contenders division. Uh, Harpenny says White's uh, an embarrassment giving up to Ren Narita. Um, set up a clear heel face divide between these two, I thought. White sort of bossing Harpenny, throwing him around the ring, hitting some big slams. Harpenny trying to gain the advantage, tripping White in it in a neck breaker. Um, Penny uh, learned a lot of tricks because of his rugby background, according to Andy Q on commentary. I don't know what those tricks were because <laughs> they moved on to talking about his hair after that. But, um, yeah, so his tricks through rugby. But um, Kenneth did a good job sort of targeting uh, White's neck. White hit a massive powerbomb followed by a, a German suplex for a two. And uh, Ken got two of his own with a blockbuster off the second rope. And then White hit a black hole slam for the win. So, solid outing from these two. I thought they played the parts well. Uh, basic, simple match, I thought, yeah, Benno. 
Yeah, it is what you kind of expect from from the the contenders division. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't say I was particularly moved by it. Maybe maybe it's the fact that I hadn't recovered from seeing Keith Lee not wearing his netball dress. Um, but <laughs> you know, for me, it was just a match, really. I mean, that's what this is, though. You know, it's the contenders division, so you're almost in an unofficial way being asked to be patient, aren't you? Um, and that's the that's the positive of it. I think the negative is it makes it really hard to care about two kids in black trunks having a wrestle. Mm. Uh, but, you know, for the time they had, you know, I, I thought it was, you know, the story with, you know, Halfpenny. Andy Q was putting over heavy on the commentary that he's been working on his arm bars in training, um, you know, trying to take out Brendan White with that. A lot of power moves back and forth and then him eventually getting caught up by the boss band slam. Um, it, it's the same in New Japan, though. Yeah, they throw the two young lads out, out in black trunks and it's like, oh, it's nice to see them. Oh, I can see maybe something a little bit in maybe, a, you know, the, the likes of a Kenneth Halfpenny, there might be a, a little bit of potential there, but there's not always a, a huge amount to take away. Um, they are what they are, and they, you know, I think they're the rematched, aren't they, on the uh, on the second uh, one of these shows? So we're going to get it again, um, and maybe they'll uh, they'll build up something of a of a heated rivalry because I know they've been in there together a lot, especially on co- co- cockpit shows. Uh, but yeah, did its job uh, and was fine. As it felt like a bit of a a come down match from there from the relatively hot opener. Yeah, I think that's fair uh, there, Shane. Uh, come down match after that opener. Yeah, it, it was much longer than I felt it needed to be, but it was okay. I uh, had some good moments. Uh, there's two moments on the show that made me react, you know, about, oh my God, out loud, mm. audibly. And the, the first came in this match with that that big powerbomb and German suplex that Brendan mm. uh, gave. Uh, that should have been the finish right there because that was the absolute peak of that match. And it mm. sort of simmered on for a while afterwards so in that indie typical way. Uh, but yeah, I, I really love that. I really love uh, uh, Kenneth strikes to the face. I'm a big fan of that. Um, but yeah, uh, it actually surprised me how good it was. I saw like it was the top contenders division and you know the black trunks. I thought I didn't have my hopes up. That's probably why I, made it. I thought it was so good. Uh, but yeah, uh, I thought it was yeah, pretty good. Okay match. And uh, next up, we had uh, Callum Newman against Dan Maloney. Uh, Will Ospreay coming out second in Newman to the ring here as uh, McGee notes on commentary that it's backyarder number one and backyarder number two. Um, I mean, this was more of a story of Maloney wanting Ospreay than than a match, really. I mean, Newman, for his part, though, is showing tons of promise. He's only 17, we've got to remember. He looks spectacular flying around the ring, looks good. The sky seems to be the limit for him at uh, such a young age, I think, Shane. Yeah, I, I was really, really surprised. To, I think uh, it was Andy who mentioned how old he was on commentary, and that really surprised me. Uh, he, he's raw, uh, but there's tons and tons of potential. And some of the sequences and some of the moves and mannerisms that he's coming out with, it's really, really uh, impressive. Um, and if I can go back to uh, Dan Maloney there as well, um, obviously at the start you've had Dan's interview where he's talking about uh, Will and uh, I don't know, I just, I just found that so weird. Like he's saying that he's, he likes Will and the camera's in his face a bit in a bit of a wink. I was like, are we through doing some like weird, like meta feud with uh, <laughs> Dan and Osprey? And it just made me felt so like weird <laughs> that the, the whole story I'd been going for there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I thought your yeah, new was great. Uh, this actually had the second your big audio, oh my god, for me, where he, uh, Newman did this great uh, little like uh, tiger feint through mm. the ropes and then battered uh, Maloney. Uh, I think that was fantastic. I, I think he's got tons and tons of potential uh, to go places. And, and Dan 
he's come up, he's come along leaps and bounds as well. He's someone I, I saw from the very, very start back again at Kamikaze Pro, him and Tyler Bate coming up in their first matches uh, around you know, those sort of promotions. And uh, yeah, he's been behind Tyler a bit, but seeing him come into his own now has been really, really impressive. But yeah, uh, I think it was, it was a, a, an okay match. And it's at this point where I realised that, you know, A, the novelty was now wearing off with these <laughs> no bad matches. And also like, you know, I'm saying that these matches are okay or that they're, they're pretty good. But I think if these have you know, fans there, you could play the same match and it'd be much, much better. So that's, that's all I came off thinking with this. But yeah, uh, I thought Callum was really impressive. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, Maloney, I mean, uh, Benno, you've not been the biggest fan over the years, but I think certainly uh, before we went into lockdown and certainly last year, I think some of his Fight Club Pro thing, I, th- I thought he was uh, really coming to his own. I don't know if um, you're going to disagree with me on that one. <laughs> well, I mean, before I say what you're expecting me to say, like I will defend them first because I do think, you know, alluding to what Shane said before, I think Dan Maloney has created a rob for his own back by being so vocal during speaking out and being uh, somebody people felt comfortable going to and being somebody loud um, and doing a lot for the speaking out movement. So he kind of created the rod for his own back, didn't he, by doing this show and being comfortable working with Osprey and, yeah, you know, straight away cutting a promo where he's talking about how much he likes Will Osprey. That's going to rub a lot of people the wrong way. Um, but I, I do think some of, the, some of the venom that he's gotten from some fans, I think, is uncalled for. He's done more than a lot of us when it comes to the speaking out movement. And mm. if he and, you know, the women on the show felt comfortable working with Osprey and saw his cases being different, then that's how they saw it. Um, so I, I don't know. I think some of that criticism maybe attracted himself, but I think some of it has been out of line, uh, especially some of the f- stuff that's targeted him directly and some of the women on the show directly as well. That aside, um, I don't know. The promo, I didn't think is it was <laughs> particularly convincing. Um, I feel so bad now that I've just said nice things about him as a man. And I just, as a wrestler, I think he's fine. I think I can, I can I'm not blind. I can see the potential. Um, he just doesn't convince me, um, both in Provo and how he carries himself sometimes in there. Um, to be honest, I came out of this match really talking about Callum Newman and not talking about Dan Maloney. And this was pretty much a squash Had for Dan Maloney. Have you seen him before, so, that, um, that first No Fan show we reviewed, that WrestleTalk one? Have Callum, you seen him before then? No, I think he's young as well. I think he's only 17 even yeah, at this is, yeah. point. Um, so yeah, that was my first. I'm pretty sure that was my first sight of him. Um, and I, to be honest, I think the you know the politics of it aside, the having Osprey as a second really works because he is raw in that Osprey way. He is he's raw, but he's impressive, and he's he's, he's like Osprey was early on, where you get a couple of those odd moments in the match where you're like. It's a bit like, you know, like we talk on C we'll, we'll just we'll take over the podcast, Shane, and start talking to early two thousand CZW. <laughs> across like one of those early two thousand CZW guys where you're like <laughs> but where you're like, is that the move or not? And you're not sure what he what he was going like that weird six one nine thing he did in the corner to to Dan Maloney's back where I was like, oh, I'm I'm certain that wasn't what he was going for, <laughs> but it was still cool. Um yeah, and I kind of came out uh, talking about him more. Maybe that says more about my my taste in wrestlers. Um so yeah, I thought Dan Maloney was good for being maybe the big the big base in the match. Mm. But I'm not, I'm still not sure that was the, the point of the story. I think the point was to put Dan Maloney over strong because uh, he went over pretty strong with his finisher. Yeah, uh, and yeah, he, he wasn't the highlight of his own squash rush to me and I don't think that's a good sign. 
Uh, yeah, because obviously, back to the matter, I mean, two lariats and that driller, which looks sickening. I mean, Shane was saying about moves that uh, made you sort of sit up and take notice, and that was certainly one. Um, an easy win, I thought, for Maloney. And obviously, it was mainly about sort of like, you noted there, but it was mainly about sort of like it, Maloney, whether they achieved it or not, they were trying to get across that he was going to squash, you know, Osprey's quote-unquote boy, and then uh, eventually have a match down down the line. Um, and we've seen Maloney, the Osprey before in Fight Club Pro, which I thought was a really good match um uh, i think it was the start of 2019 so um obviously as we'll go further into the show they seem to have a lot of the storylines circling around osprey don't they obviously with uh, kyle fletcher later on but uh, we'll get to that in a bit um because next up we had uh, bobby tyler v Aaliyah james uh bobby tyler's out here with zoe lucas they're part of a faction called tokyo cyber squad in stardom so thanks for ian hamilton for filling me in with the knowledge <laughs> there, and then um, Aaliyah James cornered by Jisol Shaw, and decent match, I thought. Bobby clearly the more experienced of the two here, working over various body parts, with uh, Aaliyah getting some comebacks with some flashy offense. I mean, it's worth remembering that uh, James is only 22 and looked pretty good in previous matches I've seen of hers. In Riptide, uh, she picked up the win here. Certainly good seeing Red Pro getting a more well-rounded women's division, I think, Benno. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's needed, and I, did you did you notice when when I went on fight and watched this, like all of the you know the bottom where it's like people who watch this all also watched, and it was full of like recommendations for Eve shows and other women shows. I wonder whether having this match prominent place and having the main event, you know, from a while we were cynical about it, weren't we? Two weeks ago, the reason they did it, uh, I wonder whether that worked, um, and whether that even just from a marketing point of view, it's a good idea to to bolster your women's division. Wouldn't you believe it that you know maybe that might attract a few uh, few more fans, specifically mm. uh, female fans? So yeah, it's good to see them do that and bolster the division. Um, I, I like Aaliyah James. I think she's good as the the underneath babyface. You know. In this case, reaching out to what were non-existent fans, you know, trying to stay alive and fighting from underneath and and selling. Um, I don't think it was, you know, Bobby Tyler's best ever performance. Um, it was a two-star match I've ever seen one, to be honest. Uh, but I thought Aaliyah James was was good, you know, underneath, and it was there to to get her over as like a plucky underdog with the, you know, with the not cheap win, but you know, the the roll-up win. Um, so yeah, I think it worked in that regard as far as establishing hair further um, and yeah, making it so that you know, we're hopefully gone are the days in these promotions where it's just second match women's match. I think this was one good placement to have it high up in the card and two, it was good to have, I think, more than one women's match. And I think we're, if this is a run of shows we're going to get from from uh, from Red Pro, I think that we're probably going to get, yeah, a bit of that going forward as well. Shane, are these two that you're familiar with going into this show? Uh, no, again, uh, I think I've been out, I've been off Brit Red shows uh, you know, since... February, March. I think a lot of these names are new to me. Um, as this, as for this match, I thought it was okay. I, I guess uh, it's a bit too sports entertainmenty uh, for the environment that they're in. I don't think, I don't think that worked. I think the match they're going for would have worked better, you know, with a live audience there. Uh, there was just this spot in the corner where um, uh, Alia James is hung upside down, and Tyler has like the weapon to hit to hit her with it, and the ref saying no, 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 and yeah, you know, she's hiding behind her back, and there's interference on the outside from the two seconds on the outside, and it just came across as really awkward due to no fans being there. But if you if you had say you know a big crowd and you had the hard cam and multiple angles, uh, I think that would have worked a lot better. But in this environment, it just 
you know, came off as as a, a bit weird, I guess, for me. Um, yeah, but yeah I, she I, seemed to be hanging there for ages while that yeah, deal was going on, didn't it? Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was really, really awkward. Uh, the story of the leg work was fine. Uh, I think you know, Aliyah sold it really well. Um, but again, this match went a bit too long for me, uh, and you know, with the general vibe of it as well, I just, you know, I, thought, I thought it was okay. And uh, wasn't a big fan of, um, I think Jalal Shaw on the outside had no mask on, whereas everyone else did. So. Poor showing from the champion there. Yeah, <laughs> well, very true. Lead yeah. by example. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, next up, we had um, Kyle Fletcher and Ricky Knight Jr. against Michael Oku and Will Ospreay. And uh, let's say now, Kyle Fletcher looks like he's eating his cell from two years ago, hasn't he? I mean, <laughs> yeah. The, the advice Tanahashi gave him over that WrestleMania weekend a few years ago has certainly paid off. I mean, he looked absolutely jacked in this one. I think with this with this match, you, you sort of know what you're getting, don't you? Tons of flying around the ring, some spectacular stuff from Osprey, RKJ, and Fletcher with Oku doing his underdog selling routine. And I did enjoy this this match with the sort of like spottiness of it. Someone who's really stood out, I think, in his time in Red Pro in the past few shows has been Ricky Knight Jr. I mean, he only debuted for them last year, I think, and he's been having good matches in tag matches like this and then against the likes of, uh, of Robbie X. Um, even picked up the win over Osprey in this one, so clearly Red Pro had plans for him. Uh, Knight Jr., for me, definitely stand out in this match, uh, I thought, Benno. Oh, yeah. I think him and Robbie X were perfect hires for Repro over this last year as guys. Because Repro got to a point where they really didn't really have a personality in its mid-card, yeah. did they? And, and the personality they did that wasn't particularly strong. Um, and I think they've given... They're really important to have in the middle of the cars. And it's going further than that now, yeah, because they, they obviously see something in Ricky Knight Jr. Um, I loved his... He, that was one of the promos I did like before the match where uh, he was kind of, you know, in his suit, you know, cocky night kid, mm. talking about being a sports entertainer. I was like, you've done that on purpose. You know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I thought that was really clever, having him do that and having Kyle building up the, the title match with Osprey. And have the opening promo be all about Kyle. He's got his match coming up with Osprey, and he wants to wants to beat Osprey to send a message. And then, wouldn't you know, it's Ricky, it's Ricky Knight Jr. who gets the uh, who gets the win. I thought that was really simple, but really, really good booking. Um, and it, like you say, it showed you know what they think of him. Um, and yeah, I thought he looked great in the match. Uh, yeah, Kyle looked massive. Uh, that's a lesson to all young wrestlers. I know this might sound strange, everyone, but listen to Tanahashi. Knows what he's talking about. You know, it's, uh, it's probably a good <laughs> if you say if you take the time to tell you something you should probably listen uh and yeah i think uh this was for me by far the match of the night um i just think that oku was really good as the face in peril i think we had a good couple of like double heat segments in there uh, with osprey making a, a big hot tag and then oku getting to make a more tired hot tag uh, later on in the match as well um and yeah i just thought it was really really smartly put together i thought you know even you know you get that shock finish and it felt orchestrated it felt like if you notice the way you know through all these matches we were getting a lot of noise from the ring from the seconds at ringside from the commentary they made sure it was perfectly silent when that moment happened and it, it, it really sold the shock and i think yeah you get a really surprising big finish like that to a match and you get the work that we had in this match as well and yeah i think it again quite clearly becomes uh the match of the night uh at least for me and yeah i thought all four look great for their part and yeah i think uh even though osprey's uh put a few pounds on um he did look you know and obviously there is all the real life stuff uh going on as well he did pretty much look like his old self as well so probably no surprise um you know for the people who 
maybe a surprise that 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 Red Pro used Osprey. This is this is going to be the reason that you, you know you get a match like this, and it probably sold some some fight pay per views as well. So yeah, I think probably no surprise that this was uh, the match of the night for me. Um, Shane, I mean, um, they were clearly building matches here, weren't they, between Oku and RKJ and then Osprey and Fletcher out of this match? But uh, what were your thoughts of the tag match as a whole? Yeah, I, I thought it was uh, it was fine, like a, a nice little like three star house show special. Uh, I don't think I enjoyed it as much as uh, as everyone else. But again, I didn't. I think the novelty again was wearing off on me by this point. I was just really, really yeah. desperate for some fans. I mean, Repro are doing a good job, as Ben pointed out, with uh, all the noise and all the all the diegetic sound being produced. You have from, you know, the math from the commentary and from all the seconds outside. You know, it all it all helps, but I, I just found myself, you know, not really connecting. Uh, but I, you know, I, I do agree with uh, your opening statement about Fletcher. He definitely got the the OK big boy reaction from me when he came out. He's looking superb, isn't he? He's looking fantastic, and uh, it, it appears to me like they're uh, matching Osprey off with various opponents. So you got Fletcher, he's he wants him now. You got Ricky Knight, who now uh, has a win over him, and you got uh, Maloney as, as well. So I, it won't surprise me if this all builds to some uh, multi multi man. Uh, fest down the line and Osprey drops the titles without being pinned uh, to those three blokes. I think that's where they're looking. Um, but yeah, I, I, th- I think I think it's it okay. RK's win was again very very surprising. So I won't be shocked if he loses the speaking title to Oku on the next show. But yeah, I, I thought I thought it was just, just fine. Just yeah, okay. Yeah, I that's think it an would interesting be... point, actually. I'd not thought about that. Maybe sort of like bigging up one of these guys. So obviously, Osprey is going to go back to Japan at some point, isn't he, Benno? So I suppose, yeah, that's that's quite an interesting point. I didn't, re- I didn't think about maybe building one of these guys to take the title off him for a bit. Yeah, you don't want that Zack Sabre problem, do you, where he disappears forever? And and, and then the, if, you know, we get back to the point of running shows regularly, the belt isn't on the shows. Um, yeah, it probably is a probably a wise idea, isn't it, to have a plan B? Um, and to be honest, based on this match, any of those three wrestlers could be a plan B. You know, Kyle as a, as a big singles running Rev Pro, uh, I think there could be some money in that. Yeah, because especially Mark Davis is back in Australia, as far as we know. And um, I mean, he must be recovering from his injury, but um, who knows when he'll be able to come back over here from Australia? So I suppose you know. It's on Kyle now, for maybe to have a big singles run. But um, it was main event time, and uh, Red Pro Women's Champion Giselle Shaw, who won the title from Zoe Lucas in February. Um, she was taking on Jamie Hayter here, who last appeared for Red Pro uh, way back in May 2019, losing the title to Zoe Lucas. Um, I mean, Hayter's been great in stardom and, uh, and her brief appearances in AEW. And sure, I always find pretty solid whenever you see her on a show. I thought she had some really good showings in OTT and the like. Um, and I thought a very worthy main event. I mean, very intense, both trading uppercuts and kicks, sure getting the upper hand and winning with the armbar that won her the title in the first place. Uh, B Priestley stepped in at the end to challenge Shaw for the title. But I thought really solid work uh, for a main event here, Shane. Yeah, it suffered from the environment again. Uh, for me, it never felt like it got out of that third gear, but it was still a, a very, very worthy main event. And boy, it got really good down the stretch. So I'd really like to see how um, you know both Shaw and Hayter could do together uh, under much different circumstances. But yeah, very much worthy. I'm a big, uh, big Jamie Hayter fan. Uh, as you said, Giselle Shaw's always been solid when I've seen her. So yeah, I think it was a worthy, worthy uh, main event. 
Yeah, because Hater, Benno, is someone else uh, Red Pro going to lose out to Japan along the line, isn't she? Yeah. Saying that, though, it's whether they you know, truly lose her, because there was a heavy stardom presence on this show, wasn't there? I wonder if there's some kind of... Maybe it's just the fact that all the girls are around, but you know, I wonder if there's there's some kind of uh, deal there, or you know, maybe there's a... Because that, would that wouldn't be a bad partnership, would it? Uh, if you want to give some juice to your women's division. Um, but no, she is great, and it's funny, this match, when I watched it live, uh, I didn't I just didn't think it followed the tag very well. Uh, and then I rewatched it today. I mean, maybe it's the fact that I rewatched it today on my phone, and you kind of you've got no distraction, and you're forced to kind of like I'm, I'm zooming in on the, on the match itself. And this type of match worked so much better for me second time. Like it felt more of I think the fact that they were trying to build more of like an intense fight than anything, um, and it was quite snug in places. Um, you know, the work, if anything, was really well suited. For this empty arena environment um and yeah to be honest i went from i think i gave it two stars live and then i, I rewatched that again i'm probably more towards like a, a three and a half star maybe not quite as much as i uh i enjoyed the tag but i did enjoy it a lot second time round and yeah i'm a fan i'm a fan of jamie hater um and i've been a fan of giselle shaw for a while uh and yeah i thought it was a it was a good showing from both and you know Obviously, they they did the setup with B Priestley as well, who can get into the mix. And like I said, we had the the other women's match earlier on the show. Um, and if anything, really, it's just nice to after the Red Pro Women's Division was in stasis for so long to have a a bit of movement, a bit of variety, and uh, some interesting directions it can go as well. So yeah, it felt it felt like a match that was maybe a bit of a lame duck as a main event because you know we were all kind of looking at the show ahead of time that it wasn't really the main event. Um, but yeah, I haven't given it a another watch today. Um, I think the girls did themselves proud, really, and yeah, hopefully we uh, we get more of this uh, this type of stuff on on Red Pro shows going forward. Yeah, you raise a good point there. I think they, out of all of the matches, I think they did the most with the environment because they re- they mm. understood that it was sort of like this underground sort of like fight feel, and I think they did the most with that. And yeah, I think um, definitely a worthy main event. But um, overall thoughts, I mean, Red Pro seemingly assembling a good roster um, instead of relying on Japanese imports. Uh, that you know, I mean, we've talked about that ad nauseum on this show, and uh, seemingly lots of stories moving forward. Um, just general thoughts on uh, on this show as a whole, Shane. Uh, I thought it was it was okay. Would I say it was worth nine ninety nine? Uh, no, unfortunately not. I, I don't think. I, I I can't say it is uh, again, but again, it's it, it's not for me. No fans wrestling really, really isn't for me. And uh, again, the, the match quality is there. Uh, and if you had a, you know, a live crowd there, I would probably say, yeah, I'd pay 10 for that. But for this, I don't know. I, I came out of it um, a bit disappointed. Uh, I, I, I thought it'd be a lot more. But again, that's just my personal preference of these uh, empty no fan shows. But of all the empty no fan shows that I've seen, this is probably the best one. I think I think I, I enjoyed, uh, you know, Robbie X uh, versus Connor Mills. I, I enjoyed that match more than anything I saw on AEW's last pay per view. Like it, 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 the, the, the production and the and the environment, uh, what they did that well. So I think if they iron out um, those issues, um, I think they could be on something good. But for me, yeah, it was okay. Yeah, I think it's uh, for some people it's quite hard to get around. Um, you know these empty arena shows, but no, I think some some of them are hit and miss for me. But I think um, as a whole, sort of like I thought this was one of the better ones. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I'm probably more desensitized to it, having you know had a, a full summer of uh, of it, and you know, obviously AEW have started to get fans in, and WWE have got whatever the Thunderdome is, so things have changed a little bit lately. Um, but yeah, I think maybe I've become a bit desensitized to it because yeah, that didn't really bother me on this show. Uh, if anything, like I say, I think they turned some of the negatives into the positives. Uh, I might be the high man on this on the show to be honest, because I did really enjoy it. Um, would I pay nine ninety nine every week? No. As a monthly thing, maybe <laughs> it is a little bit high. Um, Haven't you got but, like ten million fight books saved? Up? <laughs> oh, they're all gone now, mate. I spent oh, them all uh, last Mania <laughs> weekend. I think I've got about five left. So if anyone wants to donate any, uh, or I'll uh, I'll get Grapple Garrett to do a deal, maybe with the uh, with the fight lads. <laughs> uh, but no, but I did pay for this phone with cold hard cash. Um, and to be honest, like. I, the the thing about it is you feel i paid a tenner for a two-hour show here is that a good spend of money but to be honest the show was better for being two hours that was a real strength of the show mm-hmm. i think it was like two hours 20 in the end and to be honest if you knocked off those 15 minutes of uh, promos at the start and maybe as shane said a couple of times they chopped off maybe five minutes off a couple of these matches in the middle of the pack uh a solid two hours would probably be a good run time for this type of thing um but you know i guess we'll see as things go if, if my interest went as well but yeah for the first show like i say i thought it was the best presenter that i've i've seen rev pro in a while i find their shows a real slog at times uh it's a real disappointment and you'll say the same Martin, when our mates down south go to a cockpit show or go to a york hall show and rave about it and then we sit down to review it on here and it's like yeah it was good but it never really translates as quite no, as- it did. those cockpit mm. shows never translated well to vod at all did they no, and this feels like it, it's 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 a made-for product for the pandemic era. Um, and like I say, they turned a lot of those negatives uh, into positives. So yeah, if they could fix some issues with the sound and you know a couple of the other minor issues we mentioned earlier on, and maybe get some of the interviews uh, a little bit tighter, um, and maybe give them some. I don't, I don't want to say scripting, but don't leave Robbie X in the ring having to basically pretend he's got an eye injury so that he doesn't have to finish his speech. (laughs) (laughs) The lads could do with being a bit readier for those or maybe give them a... It's taped anyway, lads. Give them a minute to get the breath before you (laughs) start hammering questions at them. Uh, But I did think the format was good. And I think there's there's a lot of uh, little minimal improvements you could make. But overall, it's a good shell um, to put put shows into. And uh, I am genuinely interested in uh, how they go forward with it, which uh, I didn't expect to say going in. Yeah, I mean, they have announced the second show from this round of tapings. It's going to be broadcast on fight on the 13th of September. It'll feature uh, Ricky Knight Jr. against Mike Loku. That's going to unify the Red Pro Cruiserweight Championship and the Southside Speaking title. They've got Giselle Shaw and Ilya James against B. Priestley and Jamie Hayter. Mark Haskins is taking on J.J. Gale, Joel Redmond against Dan Maloney, and then Callum Newman against Will Ospreay. I mean... It's all well and good as saying, oh, well, what are their thoughts on that show? But I think Red Pro are just going to have an albatross around their neck until they, they release any sort of code of conduct show actions that, you know, safeguarding fans and wrestlers. And it's all it's all pretty mute, I think, because fan faith in them is completely at zero. And even doing the basics would be better than nothing at this point, I think, Shane. Yeah. Uh, it, there was a time when this show, this show was being showed on fight for the first time when uh, I wasn't even too sure it was even happening because there's nothing on uh, Twitter, I think, of, of any <laughs> Red Pro show happening at that time. Uh, so I was really surprised to see it was actually on. Um, but I, I think um, my expectations of Red Pro now are pretty much dashed. Uh, I've got no 
little, little, to, little to no expectations now for them to release any sort of a code of conduct, really, or, or anything that really lays into who they're using and uh, why they're using them. And that's something that we just got to, uh, unfortunately, it's something we've just got to deal with now. And uh, you just hope that maybe down the line they you know, do give us a bit of information. But for, for the time being, we have to just take what they've got, unfortunately. Yeah, do you think that'll be the thing with it? Do you think Fan Faith will uh, come back up uh, for Red Pro by now? It depends on the fans, really. Uh, I think the, you know, the the fans within the the hardcore Twitter bubble, no. Uh, the fans who react with excitement at every reaction on Facebook, every show announcement on Facebook, yes. Uh, I think you know, Red Pro got a hardcore audience that they seem to be leaning into, um, and there are a lot of people like us, uh, maybe the more engaged Brit Res fans as a whole, um, who you know aren't. People aren't going to forgive Rev Pro, um, and no matter what they do now, yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be poisoned by you know in some people's mind the, the use of Will Osprey, and in other people's mind just the the lack of uh, forthrightness when it comes to their, their safeguard and stuff. So yeah, again, like we keep saying, it's such an easy win. Like I I understand, I believe you know from things we've read and things we've heard, there's there is work being done in the background when it comes to safeguarding and when it comes to you know the coronavirus stuff, but mainly the safeguarding. Uh, I think Red Pro just needs to do a better job of publicising it. I don't think you can undo the damage they've done now. I don't. I think there's a lot of those fans that you're not going to win back. Um, but I don't. I don't think I'd want to be making more damage. So hopefully um, they see some sense and they see what so many other promotions are, around the country are doing, which is the really the bare minimum uh, as far as making clear um, what your dignity at work policy is and other such policies um, and just do that bare minimum. And yeah, I think that will be good both from a moral stance and really from a from a business stance for a, for a company like RevPro that's going to want a few more of those uh, 999 buys. Yeah, because Red Pro aren't the only promotion making a comeback, are they? I mean, a number of uh, UK promotions have announced they'll be coming back in the next few months. Uh, Future Shock in Manchester have announced they'll be doing a double shot of shows in September. Uh, WAW, the night promotion out of Norwich, have announced they're coming back. Uh, WXW in Germany, and of course, we talked about it on the last show, TNT in Liverpool. Uh, I mean, the most important thing to consider with any promotion coming back is what they're doing following speaking out, really, isn't it? I mean, Bootshock have released a code of conduct on their website, but like we said last time around, it's it's all great on paper. It's the actions that matter, doesn't it? It does start to feel like wrestling is coming back in the UK, and we might start to see certain wrestlers and practices creeping back in better, because it just seems like a, a lot of this stuff might get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, and, and that's the, the flip side to the argument, isn't it? That we can say, you know, put your safeguarding policy on your website. I mean, it is just words on paper, isn't it? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it's the it's the actions that, that come behind it after. Um, look, the, the reality is, I know people don't like to hear it, but, you know, COVID-19 was a big story. You know, we've been in a lockdown for six months. It's massive. Um, companies have, and people and wrestlers have struggled um, over that time. Um, and there are both male and female wrestlers who come up quite strongly in defensive work in various shows and, and, you know, wanting to get back to work. There is always going to be that push and there's going to be companies where, you know, the, the, the money they get from, from doing shows, uh, is their income and those companies won't exist if they don't get back to work. Uh, so you're always going to have that, that pushing and pulling. I think it will, it will create a space maybe for, for people to sneak back in. I think maybe the, the less internet savvy shows you're probably going to see, you know, wrestlers sneak back in. 
Um, but yeah, I think all, all people really can do it. And I think a lot of people did it with Rev Pro. Um, you can really just vote, vote with your wallet, really. And if, you know, never mind, you know, Osprey, if, you know, some of the very serious uh, offenders, the, you know, the much the very serious speaking out allegations came out about the people, you know, WWE released your Ligeros of the world. If they start appearing on shows, then... Yeah, that's that's when we know we've probably lost this war. Um, but you know, all you can do really is is go by your own uh, code of conduct, I suppose. If you can't trust the rest, the wrestling companies to have one uh, and make your own decisions about you know what's acceptable for you and what's not acceptable for you. Um, and yeah, I think uh, a lot of companies uh, are going to see the impact of that uh, going forward because I don't think it's going to be as straightforward as announce the show and everyone comes running back. People are going to want to see receipts and they're going to want to see what you're doing behind the scenes and they're going to want to see yeah what, what actual practical action uh, these companies are taking as well as just the uh, the words on paper and the uh, and the well-meaning but uh, you know uh, statements that people have uh, been putting out on Twitter lately. I mean, yeah, I mean, you pointed out that, you know, these shows are still running with a pandemic that's far from over. I mean, um, you mentioned there, Shane, that you've been to quite a few kamikaze shows and the like. Um, Would you feel comfortable going to a show that was happening in September or October if it was socially distanced, wearing masks, blah, blah, blah? Um, Oh, it it all all depends on the situation. I guess, I don't know, I guess I'm going to sound like a bit bit of a mark here, but... Uh, it depends on the card, maybe, and mm. it depends on. I, I think I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't go to the first show. Uh, I saw photos of WXW show uh, outside of all the uh, all the benches separating people in little pens and groups. Like I really, really like how they did it. So mm-hmm. if they can continue to have that setup with the benches and the ring outside, yeah, if they can continue to do that and not have any incidents occur, I think that is where I would feel comfortable. Uh, I, I'm not a big fan of um, trusting wrestling fans standing up around the ring and keeping their distance. So, no. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it, 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 I know they're not a Brit res uh, indie, but even GCW, when they have their socially distant shows, the second that Gage comes out, that goes out the window anyway. <laughs> so you, you, can't, you can't really trust wrestling fans. Um, I, I, so I think, yeah, it's going to come down to consistency. If you, can, if you can show me that you can implement these rules effectively, and adhere to them and keep fans in check, then I just might start going back to shows again. But as of right now, at least for the first few, uh, it, it's, it's nothing's going to convince me to go. And even then, it's going to have to be a pretty strong card uh, on those third and fourth shows for me to make an appearance. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think I was the, the same um, mindset when they started reopening pubs and the like. I was like, oh, I'll get it a couple of weeks before I go out and then see, you know, if there's <laughs> any kickoff and, and the like. So, uh, yeah, I think I'm agreeing with you there. But, I mean, you mentioned GCW there, and obviously SummerSlam weekend was ram-packed with shows from a variety of indie promotions uh, in the USA. And uh, someone that we'd not really spoke about on this show before, but um, Alien from Jersey, which... Uh, for our foreign listeners, is a small island off the coast of the UK. Is uh, Benjamin Carter obviously went on a completely different path from most UK wrestlers. Went to the USA on a football scholarship, I think, uh, trained to be a wrestler at uh, Seth Rollins' school, and has been making quite a name for himself with his uh, his high impact offense. Most notably on the uh, Black Label Pro show over SummerSlam weekend against Anthony Henry. And um, Ben, it was. It was um, is he someone who's who's been on your radar? I know you you keep up with a, a lot of these US indie shows. He t- he's been turning up on GCW shows lately. Um, 
I will say, you know, he's trained by Seth Rollins, but also Marek Brave. Uh, full respect to the Black and the Brave there. Um, <laughs> but I think because because he'd gone that um, that different route, I, I don't think I mean it's it's probably the, you know the British flags on his gear should be the giveaway. Uh, at least that's the gear he's wearing now. But I didn't immediately realise he was a Brit. Um, and then when it said that he was from Jersey, it was like really which jersey uh and then it turned out to be the one in the channel islands he's <laughs> um, one for the yeah. next uh, transfer window i think they all got 100 yeah he would have uh, beat james's kane shout if uh, we'd have known about him then uh, but yeah i think because of that yeah he, he wasn't on my radar at all and even when i had seen him i don't think I quite re- fully realized he was a brit so i thought maybe it could be a work like you know there used to be conspiracy theories that Nigel mcginnis wasn't ever really a brit and he, he was just some american putting on an accent so there's always <laughs> a possibility of that too with the with these lads but uh no, that in PWG for a while. that's right yeah yeah and then he, he came over he did like a, I remember he did the UK tour and they were still billing him as from England. It was like, come on, mate, we all know. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> yeah. he did like that. Eh? What was that? Oh, that that cancelled Kickstarter wrestling company where he played like a posh. He played that that English uh, lord yeah. that, doing like really bad British accent promos that I'm sure he's very embarrassed about now. Uh, but yeah, I think he learned with time. He can't uh, he can't pull off pretending to be a Brit. <laughs> but yeah, Benjamin Vartart, it does seem to be the real deal. Um, and yeah, he, he's so good. Like he is he, at this time already. I think he's only been wrestling a couple of years, and he has got. That I think I've described him in the past as having he's got a touch of like the Ospreys about him, but he's got a touch of pack about him as well. In yeah. maybe the way he executes his offense and just how well rounded he is, he's not just a flyer, uh, and he's a very very good flyer. Uh, but there's more to his game, um, and yeah, I, I, I honestly I, I think he's I've only, I've I've only seen him a handful of times so far, and it was enough to say, yep. Yeah, He's going to be something. He's going to be something big. And yeah, you mentioned that that Anthony Henry match on uh, on Black Label Pro, and that was just a great, just you know, technical worker versus fly. You know, the Osprey Zap match that we've all seen a million times. Uh, that style of match, and it, he was so good in it. And he is there is something different about him than all these other indie flyers that you'll see on the likes of uh, GCW shows. And yeah, I don't think so. this will be the uh, the last time uh, we'll be talking about him, even if maybe we are a, a little bit late to the party on him. Yeah, because he was getting rave reviews uh, coming out of SummerSlam weekend, Shane. Um, did you have did you have a chance to catch his uh, Black Label Pro match or any of his other matches? Yes, uh, I typed his name into the IWTV search bar and nine matches came up from 2020 and I watched all of them. Wow. I of, uh, <laughs> yeah, a bit of a, a, ben Carter, a binge. Uh, I, I mean, the first match from January is him versus B-Boy. And the, it, from from there, you sort of you get a real understanding of what Ben Carter uh, is like as a wrestler, and I was so impressed. I just carried on until I got to the Anthony Henry match. And the thing is, is that during this 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 nine match binge that I did, uh, Ben Carter he's working so many styles. Like he's working uh, multi mans. He's playing the underdog. He's the, he's the fiery babyface. He's doing the big epic matches. He's being uh, the highlight reel. He's really getting himself stuck in, uh, regardless of the, of the promotion uh, or the opponents. And that's going to help him really develop and shoot through the indie uh, the indie ranks uh he's, he's not just going in and just doing his moves and buggering off back home he's 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 really really uh getting stuck into all the different roles of uh, a pro wrestler and uh, i think that's really really going to help him uh so yeah i, I think it's good I, I think i think it's real good in the multi-man matches that i saw him in uh whether it was his timing or his ring gear or his natural charisma uh i don't want to you know 
I don't want to belittle the people in the ring with him, but he always looked and seemed like the real deal in comparison. Um, and I really, really liked his match with Henry. And Henry as well is also also fantastic. And I think he's retiring soon. Last time I checked, which is a massive shame. Because uh, Anthony Henry, I, 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 correct me if I'm wrong there, but I, I do think he's on some, some sort of retirement tour, but I'm probably probably wrong. Um, but, right, yeah, not seeing anything like that. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to research I, 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 I'm, Pretty sure I saw a tweet where he's saying it's his last year, but apparently 2020 was everyone's last year. Then the, yeah. the pandemic hit, and then that was it. Yeah. I think, back, back I think he's the... said that before. I, I think, yeah. I think uh, it's a wrestling retirement, though, isn't it? It's like, is he, is he really going to retire? Uh, well, exactly, yeah. It, it's that, that, that Eric Stevens rub where he says he's going to quit and he's back again. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I think he's, he can def- definitely go places. Uh, I think he's, he, he's doing it all. He's uh, looking real good. It'll be interesting to see, uh, sort of like next year, maybe when we're, if we are ever out of this, uh, sort of like new normal that we're in now, um, you know, we just see if, uh, British promotions start to, uh, bring him over here and, um, he can come back and have matches, uh, in the, in the likes of Red Pro and that. So, um, yeah, it'll be great to, uh, follow his career from now on. Like Benno said, I think we've been, um, well, I've certainly been, you know, dropped the ball on following him, but certainly someone, uh, to keep an eye on in the next, uh, months and years. And, just a couple of small stories for what he had out of here. Um, WWE have added more indie shows onto their network. Uh, following last month's announcement, they've uh, followed the initial upload and they've uploaded Progress Chapter 77, WXW Toronto and ICW Shug's House Party 5 Night 1. What a mouthful that is. Uh, I mean, I'm not reviewing it. No. Yeah. <laughs> the more the more interesting story here, I think, is that uh, Progress have started removing certain matches from their on-demand uh, service, specifically ones involving David Starr. I mean, uh, thoughts on this, Benno? Is it the right move here by Progress to remove these matches, or should we be rewriting history like this? Yeah, I don't think it's a good move. I think the the obvious. <laughs> Example is Chris Benoit in WWE, isn't he? Um, they have him on the network. They don't mention his name. They don't even list him in the listings, which actually is probably a step further than I would go because you end up with matches where people are apparently wrestling themselves or Shawn Michaels and Triple H had that great singles match at WrestleMania. Do we all remember that? Um, <laughs> they do that. Um, I, I get it in some ways. Uh, David Starr, you know, was outed this year and I don't think, it's weak. It's it's strong to say it, but got out of as a scumbag, didn't he? And you know we're we're, uh, we're yeah, all glad to be really complete scum, yeah, yeah. But at that same time, you know, and it is one of the more serious stories of of speaking out. It's where you draw the line, isn't it? Because if you do that, you know, I'm looking at this progress chapter seventy seven, and you know, there's people on this chat on this show mm-hmm. that allegations about them as well. You know, Jimmy Havoc's on that show. Um, you know, and there's there's been plenty of rumor and conjecture about his AEW exit. Um, you know, there's there's other people with lesser allegations. You know, on the show, there's older shows with you know very serious allegations. People with serious allegations on. You know, there are there are London's riot London riots matches with uh, with James Davis on. Um, if you go far back enough in the Progress Archive, Elegero's their first champion. Yep. Uh, you know, I just don't think you can sustain that really, um, and it just becomes a question of maybe one rule for one, and another for another. Um, so yeah, while I can understand it, you know, you know, with this summer being David Starby and a key person speaking out, 
yeah, I don't think it's something really that makes sense uh, and not something you could you could really be consistent with, especially not at a time where you 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 know you put your back catalog on the WWE network where you know WWE have, have dropped the ball a number of times as you said earlier on the show when it comes to speaking out and there are people appearing on their shows that have allegations about them now you know never mind archive footage so um, yeah it just seems a bit inconsistent to me even if maybe you can. Unless you've got your conspiracy here theory hat on, uh, with regards, you know, some of the the comments that are made about uh, WWE in general and this whole uh, independent movement stuff, um, yeah, I just I, I think it's well intentioned, but I just think it's a it's a it's one that you can't uh, really keep up and uh, have any consistency with when there's so many other um, problematic people uh, over these shows. Never mind ICW as well. Yeah, I suppose to Benno's point there, Shane, that once you start doing this, I mean, where do you stop? Do you completely rip all the shows to pieces and take all the sort of like problematic people out of it? Or do you just sort of like select a few of them? It's um, it's a hard line to uh, to cross, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's uh, a real weird one. And uh, whilst I totally understand uh, progress or any wrestling promotion, choosing to scrub certain names from the streaming platforms, um i i think you know, to make to make the, the platform more accessible to uh everyone i think the absence of certain names that they're going after it just puts more attention to it uh at least right now so if you put on a show that's usually focused around a certain wrestler and and they've been taken out due to the accusations you're going to think oh well this is this is, this is, this is that show this is, this is that show where he was on there now he's not it's how it looks i mean wwe as ben pointed out uh keep benoit in the network but don't mention him or advertise him at all. So you keep uh, that, I guess, history without celebrating it. But then again, would uh, WWE lose that many subscribers if they remove Benoit entirely from the network? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think it does serve as a, uh, a warning, though, to uh, future abusers. Like, not only will you be barred from working the scene, but all your work could potentially be removed and you'll be forgotten slowly by the scene and the industry. Uh, that, 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 that's, a, that's, a, that's a big punishment to, to have. Um, but I, I, I do think that it, 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 is, it is hard to draw the line. Uh, as Ben pointed out, there's a lot of bad names on that list and they've not been taken off yet. Um, so at what, what point do you just start removing shows entirely and, and start from scratch with the streaming service? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. So uh, it will be interesting to see if they do uh, just stick with Star over they start removing any other names. But um just really had out of here, the sad news, obviously, uh, I think it just dropped as we recorded the last show that uh, Gabriel Kidd has, has been off the last few New Japan shows due to injury. But um, just wanted to get your guys' thoughts. Obviously, he's been in Japan for a bit now. Um, I mean, Ben, how do you think he's been faring over there? I know he's uh, not been in any, any major matches, but, um, you know, he's been over there for quite a while now. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much been... You know, it's it, it's been his entire year, hasn't it? I think it was January, wasn't it, when he when he went over, um, and his twenty twenty has been in Japan, um, and he benefited from that too, didn't he? By, you know, uh, they couldn't bring in um, any foreign talent, and I think he got slots on cards that he wouldn't have got. He, you know, was involved in the New Japan Cup for one. You know, that's uh, and that's not something the, that that you probably would have called for him um, earlier on in the year. He might even get him. I can't see he's going to make the G one, but I think he's going to be all over those cards. Uh, go, well, he would have been all over those cards going forward. Um, so yeah, that is a sh- that is a shame. Um, but I can't say even with the injury that he's you know made a a bad decision there. Uh, I think. It was an interesting decision because he was someone. It wasn't like he was at the very bottom rung of Brit Res, was it? No. He he was 
getting a name for himself. Uh, maybe he wasn't you know, on the, the tip of everyone's lips as like a, a big up-and-coming talent in Brit Res, but, you know, he was willing to go down the young boy route and, you know, strip back to that plain black gear we were talking about there with the contenders earlier and, you know, start from scratch in Japan in a foreign country. And, yeah, while it's... Uh, we're at a bit of a sad impasse with the story right now. I think overall, um, I think he's, you know, he's someone who's, who's really um, made the name for himself, you know, with fans outside the Brit res. Um, and yet they've given him plenty of opportunity, you know, the majority of the time, if not all of the time on the losing side, but he's getting in there and mixing it up with, you know, uh, the Kojimas of the world and, you know, the Minoru Suzuki's of the world and what a learning experience that is. Um, so, yeah, hopefully we uh, we get to see more of him uh, in Japan uh, soon enough. Yeah, because I think Ben was right there. He had sort of hit his ceiling, you know, he's making a bit of a name for himself in sort of like uh, what culture and uh, defiant wrestling. But when that all went away, it was sort of like, yeah, like Ben noted there, he wasn't sort of the top of the, the rung in wrestling. I think he'd done all he, he could really do over here at the time being. So I think going over to Japan was like a, a perfect timing for him, uh, Shane. Yeah, uh, I saw him on a few UK shows and he had big bags of promise. Uh, but as, as Ben pointed out, like he did reach his ceiling. And I think we we kind of quietly championed him a bit because he chose to go down the New Japan Young Boy route instead of just signing with the big NXT letters, uh, which, which we were, you know, I think I know I was like quite happy with, uh, you know, uh, you know, seeing someone, you know, from the country develop and go for it over there was something that I was really invested in seeing. So seeing that he got injured was was a big shame. Uh, so hopefully he's back soon. I was just I was just looking at because um, he's scheduled for some six-man tags and some tags on the Corican shows, and they've replaced him with uh, Nagata and Kojima. So if I was Gabriel Kidd, yeah, I'm injured, but I'm pretty chuffed that I'm that yeah. good that I can be replaced <laughs> with Kojima and Nagata. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's some pretty good goings. But yeah, hopefully he's back, and I'll definitely be keeping uh, a, a, an eye on him uh, more vigilantly as the crowds come back to shows and he's more more features. I think he's definitely be, be one to look at. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, um, yeah, it opened my eyes to, um, you know, like, you know, they didn't go for that easy money in NXT UK and stay at home and everything. And, um, you know, he went over to the LA Dojo and then he's sort of like working his way up in New Japan. So all power to him. But, um, I mean, just before we head out of here, I just wanted to say, um, obviously we had the really sad news, um, that Casey Michael passed away, um, yesterday. And I just wanted to send condolences and thoughts to his family and friends. I think, has everyone seen the outpouring of um, support today? He was an integral part of the wrestling community. He did a, a lot of great work furthering women's wrestling, and I think um, he'll be missed greatly. Yeah, uh, definitely. Like as as Pollock said on on Twitter, like even if you just look at you know the announcement um, and you look at all of the people replying, and you know the amount of outpouring serious like on my timeline especially how much he meant to 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 both fans and to and to female wrestlers as well um whose careers he he helped uh and whose lives he touched as well um you can't help but be taken back by that i think yeah obviously being in his 20s that's that's no age whatsoever but yeah as john said to see the uh the impact um he made on people is uh is is nice to see in a in a really uh, horrible situation so yeah i just want to say as well yeah to the, the people we know and uh, any of the listeners uh, that knew him too uh, definitely uh our thoughts are with them yeah his his uh passion for women women's wrestling was uh almost palpable uh it's it's a massive massive loss uh for the scene and for women's wrestling especially um you know as 
all the uh, tributes came pouring through throughout the day and throughout the night. It's clear that there's a big hole left in the scene. Uh, but yeah, uh, absolute uh, rest in peace. So yeah, so as noted at the start of the show, this is going to be the last uh, bi-weekly BWE as we go monthly from now on with the, the show on the second Thursday of every month. And then the new show with Andrew Thompson will be debuting on the 24th of September. And uh, Benno, uh, what's been happening in Grapple Towers recently? Well, uh, yeah, uh, JP's been busy uh, doing his, uh, oh, his round. JP's been everywhere, hasn't he? <laughs> He's on post about three <laughs> times this week, isn't he? Yeah, that's it. He was on. He was doing. Uh, he was with the Up Next lads. He was over doing a podcast with WH Park, and then yeah, somehow we managed to fit in a roundtable as well. Great roundtable as well that uh, people should absolutely check out on a uh, on AEW. Uh, Friends of the show, uh, Sarah Flam was incredible uh, on that show. Um, absolutely, uh, check that out. And uh, yeah, Rich Fan and, uh, and Sue Williams were were great guests too. Uh, that came out last Friday, uh, so a good primer, I think, for uh, for all out at the weekend. But yeah, other than that we've been doing spotlight and you know uh similar to sadly what happened with james on this podcast uh joe has uh if anyone missed it has left grapple uh, and has left spotlight uh uh sad to see him go but uh in the meantime yeah we are uh going to be having some more guests on a bit similar to what we'll be doing over here i think you'll definitely hear more of a uh, grapple garrett going forward and and uh yeah on this most recent show we had uh stephanie chase on uh who as we mentioned earlier was on the rev pro show um and we went through uh last weekend's wrestling and the uh the new japan stadium show so yeah if you're interested in that and our uh, look at uh, the wrestling world as a whole uh, please do check that out and yeah we'll have a an aw uh, all-out review coming out monday night too yeah it's really sad obviously seeing joe leave the podcast i think him and james the um not controversial say two of the best podcasters out there so yeah really sad uh, mm-hmm. losing both of them guys but um shane obviously you've got the site wrestle white big fan uh what i mean <laughs> Explain it to um, our listeners. Uh, wrestling Wipe is a roundup of the wrestling news. Um, I, if you've ever seen an episode of Charlie Brooker's, uh, you know, annual or monthly or, but back when he did his, his weekly wipes, uh, just rounding up all the news from wrestling into one handy little uh, thread and web page as well. So we'll have the May Wrestling Wipe. So rounding up all the uh, drama and news from May. That should be dropping on Twitter in a big old thread in about two weeks' time. And then it should hit the, hit the website with more context and more illustrations to really you know, get the points across. Uh, that should be hitting the website at the end of May. And uh, I'll be reviewing more ladder matches. Uh, it's my mission to review every ladder match from 2020. I'm a bit behind because <laughs> I took, a, took a, bit of a, uh, a bit of a break <laughs> off and I thought, you know what? Uh, a few months off, won't, won't, won't harm the ladder match schedule. But no, of course, NXT just pumping them out on a weekly basis. So yeah. I've got to get, <laughs> got to get back on that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, so you get following me on Twitter on at Global Force Gold. Um, I really should get some brand synergy going, but I really can't let go of that uh, that Twitter handle. No. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's going to be the end of me. So yeah, get me on Global at Global Force Gold. Uh, sorry, at Global Force Gold. Uh, follow me at Wrestle Wipe. Uh, follow all the news that's going to sort of come down from there. And uh, fingers crossed, I've got my own little podcast series dropping soon in the next two, in the next few weeks. So uh, stay tuned to my Twitter for that. But yeah, that's all my uh, plugs done. Great, fantastic stuff. Yeah, really big fan of the, the Wrestle Wipe stuff. So be sure to check that out. And um, of course, all roads 
LitaPostWrestling.com. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks, Shane, for coming on. And, uh, yeah, check out the uh, new show of Andrew Thompson, 24th of September, and uh, I'll catch you then.